This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. Hi, Steve here, and welcome to the podcast for alpaca people. It's great to see you again. I've been doing some reminiscing. You know how it gets sometimes. And I've been listening back to some of the older interviews I did with people who who were particularly passionate about fleece and fibre. Partly this is because Sue has been, my wife has been working on the fleece and processing and cleaning and felting and doing all kinds of stuff with it. So it's just got me thinking, fleece. (laughs) So... Yeah, I'd just love to, to share some clips with you of people who are passionate about the fleece. What can you do with your fleece? Here's a bunch of ideas. Here we go. Another aspect of my inspiration for was the weaving. And the, the pieces out there were just like nothing I'd ever seen. They were really beautiful. And so... And when I saw them, I just thought, oh, that's me. Like, that's what I want to do. And... Um, I've I've been really I've tried to be really careful and not copying because obviously um, it's their work and I really want to respect that and anything I've ever done that's similar I've always really like um, mentioned about Patagonia and sort of um, respected that but um, but yeah so I had I've got a little uh, loom that I was given again as a birthday present like probably three or four years ago. And, um, Once people know that you've got, you've got <laughs> yeah. an that these things tend to appear, which yeah, is it's nice. great. Yeah, um, and I, I think the thing I love about weaving is um, compared to something like knitting is there's no rules so much. You can right. just just do what you like, yeah. and so it's more like art. And I, I realised that that really sat well with me because I've always I've always been more that way and more creative in the sense of. I love making things and hats and things like that, but I think having a free will just to do whatever I like on the loom is just, it's really freeing. And um, it really got me through a difficult time of my life as well, where I, I was going through a difficult time and, and the weaving just kind of let me be me in the in in the, uh, in the art. And so, um, yeah, I tend to use a mixture of um, fibres. I don't only use my own wool because that would just take forever. Cause <laughs> but I, yeah, so I, I do a, a diff, a different types of, I do sort of weavings and then I do wool hangings as well. Um, right. Yeah, and yeah. I've, I've seen some of the stuff on, on the website and, yeah. and up close as well. Uh, and they are beautiful. They are they are lovely. And I guess that's a thing that, that develops over time, the, the different ideas that you want to to try um and maybe different colors or different textures and that kind of thing like we call it the compo classico line and that's our non non non-wisconsin branded non-collegiate katie lorenz of campo alpacas i I love the look of those kind of hats anyway but particularly i can i can feel the 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 warmth but as we know it's not just keeping you warm it actually adjusts for the temperature yes that you're in so so during other times when it's not quite as cold (laughs) <laughs> and if you've got something that is super warm, you're going to be overheating. Um, it doesn't. It seems to breathe naturally and just kind of ad- adjusts the temperature. Yeah, I've heard people use the phrase thermoregulating, which 
sounds yeah. like a, a whole mouthful, but it, it really does. That was my attraction to it. So I, I run really warm. And so I almost never wear sweaters because like as soon as I'd go inside, then I'm like dying. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I wore an alpaca sweater like up the Inca Trail and well, Salkan Tai Trek. But we literally had to cross snow covered mountains and I'm wearing the sweater and then it switches to like nicer weather outside and I'm still wearing the sweater. And it really does adjust with you. Mm. And I just love that it's like so lightweight, too. It's great. Yeah, as time's progressed, I mean, I didn't spin until I had the alpacas. Hannah Williams of Penrolt Alpacas. And obviously, as my numbers increased, there was no way I could spin 35 fleeces. Um, So, you know, how I used that fleece, you know, and um, thought about, you know, marketing had to change. Um, And whilst I I think it's good to learn the skills, um, and I still enjoy spinning, Mm. but I obviously I can't spin enough to get all that wool out and work full time at the same time. No. Um, so yes, I do send my fleece off to be processed. So it comes back as lovely balls of wool. And then I was thinking, well, what do I do with all of this? And yes, you can go to shows and yes, you can put it on the internet, on your websites and, and that to market your products. Um, but often customers want to know, well, what can I make out of it? What can right. I do out of two balls of wool or three balls of wool, etc.? And yes, that's developed into crochet kits and patterns and, Excellent. you know, Items where people can think, oh, I can make that and I can do something with that. And then they'll obviously purchase your will and purchase the kit as a present, as gifts yeah. for their family, especially over the Christmas times. Um, when they know somebody has got a hobby, they enjoy doing something like that. Um, and they look for something a little bit different that they can't buy on the high street. Um, and that's, I think, when they come to us, where we are small right. independent retailers, I mm. guess, who have got a, a one-off product. So we create knitwear and this last this time last year we started... Catherine Price of Ted and wow. Bessie. Um, so we've got hats, scarves, mittens, uh, shawls and snoods, that sort of thing in a right. knitwear format. And then the woven products, there's bed throws, shawls and scarves. It's it's quite nice to work in, in woven because you can be slightly more creative with colours and patterns as right. well. Yeah. Um, but knitwear sells well. So lots of people in the winter want a cozy hat or a cozy scarf. Absolutely. So, um, that does quite well for us in the winter. So we, I wanted something that could progress into the summer months as well. So something that you could perhaps pop on if it's it's chillier in the in the summer in the evening as right. well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I really feel like the woven stuff has pushed the brand forward in a way because it. It's it's a nice way to showcase textiles as well. Yeah, I mean certainly the because uh, we we met at the BAS, the British Art Packer Society National Show, um, and and certainly the display you had there with the the, the stall, it it was very striking and um, it looked very stylish. The the it wasn't just the the standard knitwear, but with the the woven stuff as well. It, it just really stood out, and and I, I thought it was it was very eye catching. But you kind of thought, oh yes, I could see somebody I know wearing one of those, and that would, it would be totally in keeping. It wouldn't just be somebody who was keen on alpacas. Uh, it's uh, it's very much in the middle of the marketplace. It's great. Yeah, thank you. Now I I, I wanted to create something that um, was more sort of design focused as well as practical and worked well to keep somebody warm um, that would look 
stylish in a house or worn with something uh, a, a bit more smart uh, rather than sort of casual wear. So, yeah, I, I, I sort of had a vision in my head of how I wanted it to look and really happy with, with the outcome of it. And then I decided to explore um, crafts. Marta Kavaznovic. Crocheting, like tutting, like uh, knitting. And now I know that it's not for me. And uh, <laughs> I just, I just right. practice, practice, practice and uh, focused on uh, this. And, uh, and yeah, and one day I discovered a Japanese braiding technique, uh, Kyumihimo, and that was it. And uh, uh, mm. still, I'm addicted to uh, Kyumihimo. Uh, if I see a new pattern uh, on the internet, I have to do it. <laughs> and, right. and yes, and now I'm uh, at this stage when uh, I can make a lot of more things and uh, when I feel that I uh, go in the right di direction. You've always been around the alpacas and obviously with, with your parents, with the, with the herd. Kerry Lord of Toft Alpacas. To being involved with the... The retail shop on yeah, site? and the fibre. So what my story? Um, I went off to university. Um, so I, I yeah, I was quite hands on with the alpacas. I had always been in the show ring with them. Um, I'd done the kind of I'd always taken the animals around the ring because both my parents are judges. Um, then I went yeah. off to university, and I guess didn't have anything to do with alpacas for the three years that I was there. Maybe occasionally helping when I was back in the summer. Um, I did a degree in English literature. I had no intention of coming back. Um, I wasn't a knitter. I wasn't a crocheter. I didn't know anything about fibre. Um, but what then happened was I finished my degree and I intended to um, go back to do an MA or a possibly even further on into a PhD in literature. So I had nothing right. to do for a while. Um, and so I was tasked with finding someone to buy the fleece. So at that point, they probably had a, a lot of fiber from the last couple of years worth of shearing. And they were saying, we're not quite sure who who is interested in buying this or what the options are at this stage. And that's where my journey started was, okay, right, well, there must be someone that will want to buy it. Alpaca's really lovely. Surely there'll be something that will want to buy it. <laughs> yeah. There was nobody that wanted to buy it um, at all at that stage. So I couldn't find anyone to take the fiber off my hands. So then I said, okay, well, maybe I'll add value and I'll take it to the next stage. So, okay, I've got a bit more time. I'm good at researching. Let's see what we can turn it into. So then we spun the first batches of yarn. And to be honest, they were string. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, obviously, I was cruising around with a lot of people that also didn't really know what they were doing um, because um, British alpaca hadn't really been spun in the UK. It certainly hadn't been spun for the hand knitting market. It had, I think it was starting to be spun for the weaving market a lot more, but a very different process right. to spinning um, deliberately sure. within the UK for the hand knit market. I learned to knit. Um, after those first dodgy batches because very very rapidly I was like there's no way I can understand like specification or what I'm looking for if I don't understand what happens next uh, so I learned to knit and I actually um, then ran um, for a long time a team of hand knitters that work from home so once right. I could knit I, I designed a basic hat pattern and then I ran um, at its height again there was about 30 ladies that work from home and right. I would design a hat pattern I'd spin the yarn, they would knit the hats for me, and then I would go out and sell those at craft fairs, um, country fairs, right the way across the UK. Right. 
So that's where it so, started. Um, yeah. Then we went through a huge recession, which completely changed my business. So when the recession um, came, all of a sudden, people didn't want to spend £50 on me adding that value for them. They were right. still very interested in it being British. They were very interested in it being alpaca, um, very interested in it being handmade and handcrafted. But what they suddenly wanted to do was to learn how to do it themselves. They suddenly asked the question of, well, how much would it be if I, if I knitted it myself? If, can I have the pattern and the yarn? And so the business completely, again, almost really organically rather than with a business plan, transformed into mm. people buying the balls of yarn and the patterns and then me teaching them how to do it. So there was obviously a lot of people out there that could already knit. But the big thing that, um, I guess, drove the business growing at that stage was the fact that we offered workshops and we offered online tutorial from the very beginning to try right. and encourage the market to grow. Um, so it was people that had never done it before um, and, a, and a totally new mindset. So I think that people used to choose to knit because they thought it was going to save them money. Um, as in they, they <laughs> yeah. chose it through necessity. They, they chose sure. to knit their own jumpers because it was going to be cheaper than buying a jumper from a shop. That's no longer the case. The hobby industry and the craft industry, it's all about the time that you put in and the pleasure um, that you get in that. It's all about indulging yourself in something that has a brilliant story um, that is the, the top quality thing that you can afford. Now, obviously, you can't necessarily afford alpaca for all of your projects, but to have hmm. a um, like all the time, but to have a kind of luxury project in your life where you savor every stitch, where you enjoy doing it, and where you make something where you understand where it's come from, you understand its impact on the environment, and you know that it's going to be a piece that you'll that'll be with you forever. That new yeah. kind of knitting, new age knitters and crocheters are all about really, um, yeah, buying the best that you can afford, and it's completely changed the way. Um, the way the hobby works, the way that people decide to learn to knit and crochet. Yeah. I just looking at the thing, working with it, but having the finished article as well, you, you, it just creates a smile. Yeah, it does. It, and and the, a quality yeah. finished item that you know will keep you warm, will wash really yeah. well, um, and will continue to get better with age rather than be disposable. Something that you've made, you maybe wear it twice and then you don't wear it again. Yeah, so they're obviously. <laughs> I was going to pardon the pun. I was going to say they're strong threads in yeah. in people's current approach to to life generally in terms of food and and other things uh, as well and obviously into textiles as well yeah and right. mindfulness i think that's really important yeah. that as um screen time has gone up with all of us in our lifestyles i mean certainly in the last 10 weeks the amount of um, screen time that i think we've all done um, has gone through the roof to be able to switch that screen off do something with your hands something that is productive where you see what you've done with your time at the end of it i think that's been really important for a lot of a lot of mental health yeah. Okay. So tell me about Edwards Menagerie and how that came about. So um, I ran Toft um, focusing on knitwear. So very much uh, making kits and designs that people would want to wear. So hats and scarves and jumpers, uh, maybe occasionally into home furnishings. So cushions and blankets for a long time. And that got me until um, nearly eight years ago. I could knit, um, but I certainly hadn't um, de delved into this crochet thing. Um, that was that was totally new. Um, that was still very much not fashionable. So knitting had resurged and become popular, and there was this new generation of younger crafter, but crochet wasn't really um, touched. It hadn't yet resurged. I was pregnant 
with my son who is called Edward um, now, but I didn't know that at the time. And I worked until my due date at TOF. So I was still doing shows. Um, at the height of our shows, I did 52 a year. So literally wow. every single weekend, I did some <laughs> form of craft. It is a commitment. That's a commitment. It is a commitment. Um, but it was the best way for me to develop the product because sure. I got face-to-face feedback constantly from the customers that were actually buying it. And I think it, it's still really key to me is to go out and do the shows myself. So I still do do 25 a year, even now, yeah. where I will go and make sure that our customers are hands-on with what we're doing and that I can listen to what, what they're interested in and what they like and um, what they think of Toft. Um, so I gave, I, yeah, stopped working on my due date thinking this baby's not going to come unless I actually stop being at work. Uh, so I sat at home. I sat down for probably about an hour on the sofa until I said, I'm really bored. Um, I'm going to have to do something. <laughs> so I watched a YouTube video to learn to crochet. And I learned one stitch, the British double crochet stitch. And then that night, um, by the time it was kind of seven o'clock that night, I'd made an elephant. I'd crocheted an elephant in <laughs> alpaca yarn that was sitting by the side of my sofa. So obviously I had this lovely stash of my personal alpaca yarn that I saved the best yeah. gain from every batch we've ever made. <laughs> so it's quite expensive. Uh, Save yeah. the best ones. That was all down the side of the sofa. And I, yeah, I picked up the hook and I was able to make a shape in a way that I couldn't with knitting. So crochet allows me to build right. 3D shape really quickly, um, really simply with hardly any stitches. There's hardly any seaming. Um, so the bit that a lot of people hate when they're kind of making an animal or a toy is how you sew it all up at the end and how you turn it into a 3D shape. This style of crochet, you actually crochet it 3D. So there's very little that you put together at the end. So I made an elephant that day. And then I made a bunny the following day. And then I made a zebra the next day. And then I actually made 14 animals before my wow. son arrived because <laughs> he was oh, two well weeks done. late. <laughs> um, and in that, I very, very quickly saw how addictive it was, how easy it was, um, and how fast it was to progress skills-wise um, to ones that were more advanced. I didn't really think anything of it. But the second that my team, um, and my team um, at the time, I think, were mainly um, young women in their 20s. The second that my team came and they saw these animals on my mantelpiece, they weren't remotely interested in the baby. They were only interested (laughs) in the animals on my mantelpiece. And they were like, what are these? What is this? How do you do this? Can you teach us how to do this? And the second I saw that, I realized that they weren't going to just be for children. That yes, I was motivated by making them for um, my unborn child and the second even people like midwives and all the people that were passing through my house at that point saw them they they thought they were brilliant for children but the second I kind of saw someone that was 21 walk in and see the animal was like I I want to make that for me I realized the potential of Edward's menagerie um way way beyond anything that Toft had ever done before is it just had a really universal appeal um to a two totally different marketplace a really broad spectrum marketplace and so it just really went from there. Um, the first kits were released um, probably as, as little as three months after I made the first one. So we quickly put right. um, a handful into production as kits. And then we launched it for the first time a year after that. So the September following um, when Edward was one. And it just it just boomed as soon as it went out there. Um, we literally sold. So on that, that. that's the book. Yeah. Well, that was yeah. actually not even the book. That was a big oh, right. collection of kits. And we sold okay. every single skein of alpaca yarn that Toft had in our entire inventory at the first wow. show that I launched it, that I stood there <laughs> and we sold every single ball of alpaca yarn we had made. 
at which point yeah. I said, oh. <laughs> uh, think, <laughs> there's, a, there's a problem. Yeah, there, there's a problem. Um, I think we're now going to have to work out what we, how we're going to now supply this demand because that is when I did the book deal. And that meant okay. that all of a sudden there were going to be hundreds of thousands mm. of people with these Everywhere. patterns yeah. Um, across, yeah, across the world that would want to get the yarn in order to make these animals. Um, so that was the, probably the biggest hurdle that I've ever faced was because all of a sudden we had too much demand and not enough supply to be able to grow the business um, to the next stage. And I didn't want to disappoint those people. People saw these animals and saw the pictures of alpacas within there and wanted to yeah, create their own animals with that yarn. I always love hearing these stories and find them inspiring uh, for all kinds of reasons, but just the possibilities that are there with all the different things we can do with alpaca fiber. So... Hmm. Hopefully it gets your creative juices going. <laughs> there you go. Take care. If you can, go spend some time with an alpaca and maybe think what you can do with some fleece. See you again soon. Bye for now. This is the Alpaca Tribe, and I'm Steve Hetherington. Have a great day. <laughs>